Welcome to the Generations United podcast, where we share insights from experts from the intergenerational field about how practices improve the lives of children, youth, and older adults, and the communities that they live in. I'm Donna Butts, Executive Director of Generations United. For this episode, I'm very excited that we have two guests. Anna Beltran, who is our longtime special advisor to our National Center on Grand Families. Anna was actually the first director of the center 20 years ago, and we've been so fortunate that she has continued to work with us and share her expertise and her heart and her passion for this work. The center itself, you can find more at grandfamilies.org, but it serves as a national legal resource in support of grand families within and outside of the child welfare system. Our next guest is Olivia Chase, who is a member of our Grand Voices Network, the Celeste group of grandparents and other relative caregivers from across the country. Our grands serve as strategic partners to inform policies and practices affecting grand families and help reveal family strengths, needs, and service gaps. We are so fortunate that Olivia is here in D.C. because that means that we get to see her frequently and that she also is an incredible advocate, not just in D.C., but on the Hill at the federal level as well. So we are just very, very fortunate that Olivia is part of our Generations United family is what I would say. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. So today we get to talk about the Generations United most recent State of Grand Families report. It's called A Place to Call Home, Building Affordable Housing for Grand Families. And it focuses on that important topic for families, and in particular for families that sometimes come together rather suddenly. So Anna, you've been involved with Grand Families Housing for a long time. You are the author of the report, and I think you've done a fabulous job with it. So could you tell us a little bit about why we decided to focus on this topic this year? Sure. Thank you, Donna. So the Grand Voices, like Olivia, are certainly the ones that brought this to our attention and really motivated us to make our six years State of Grand Families report focus on affordable housing. They came to us with a number of housing challenges and stories and solutions like Plaza West here in Washington, D.C., which we wanted to highlight. Great. And what are some of the unique housing issues that grand families face? Why do we need to have special housing for them? Well, these families come together, like you mentioned, at a moment's notice, often in the middle of the night, and they don't have a legal relationship to the children. So unlike birth parents or adoptive parents or foster parents, there's no legal relationship to kind of ease their way into accessing housing. So there are many challenges around that legal custody issue. There's also just a lot of affordability issues. And there are also just the issues that are truly unique, which is like you could have a grandma who's living in her studio apartment, retired, living on Social Security. Suddenly she's raising two grandkids in the studio. And where's she going to go? Because there was no planning time, right? Yeah, the, I always remember the grandma that I met in Kansas City once. Her children had grown. They'd moved out. She moved into her dream home. It was a condo, and it had white wall-to-wall carpeting. She had little glass figurines every place around the condo, and she was sort of like, it's my time. And then there was a knock on the door at 2 in the morning, and she ended up with a 2- and a 4-year-old. So the crystal went back in the closet. The floor didn't stay white. The carpet got dirty. And it's like she said, she wouldn't have had it any other way. She would always be there for her grandkids. So to provide that space is really important. And Olivia, you've been living now at the new Grand Families Apartments here in D.C. So it's really, really wonderful that you're joining us today. So you can talk a little bit about that. But first, can you just tell us a little bit about your grandson, Richard, and how you came to raise him? Richard will be 11 years old. Really? 11? 11 years old this month. I can hardly believe it. At three months old, Richard's father, who is an Iraqi veteran, became incarcerated. Both of his parents are incarcerated. My son came back from Iraq with PTSD 
when I reached out for help, I was told I was overreacting. I often want to ask the Army, can you hear me now? So at three months old, Oliver was arrested, and he's been convicted, and he's serving life without parole in Texas. And so from three months old until now, Richard and I have been together, and it's been a joy. Other than my son being incarcerated, I can agree with the grandmother. I would really have it no other way. And it felt a lot like you were telling my story because I had downsized. I was living in a one-bedroom apartment. And as Richard began to grow, it felt like the apartment was beginning to shrink. I bet. With somebody reaching 11 years old, he's not a little baby anymore. No, no. So tell us about, you were living in a one-bedroom apartment, and when did you hear about Plaza West, and, and how did you come to to live there? So Howard University had started a grandparent caregiver support group, and in the support group, we began to talk about our housing needs and how having a bicycle in your living room and a skateboard in the house was becoming a little challenging, you know, for yeah. for getting up in the middle of the night going to the- <laughs> yeah. bit of a hazard. Can't imagine the hazard course. <laughs> Yikes. And what I didn't realize at the time was there was a bit of serendipity going on because Bible Way Church was thinking about grandparents raising grandchildren. Mission First was thinking about grandparents raising grandchildren. And D.C. government was thinking about grandparents raising grandchildren. And in particular, they were thinking about our housing needs. And so we began to advocate for housing because there was a lot of development going on in the city. Everybody was coming in, moving in, and we began to say, well, what about us? You know, all of these brand new buildings coming up, what about us? And just as fate would have it, And I really call it serendipity because we're advocating, other people are thinking about it, and bam, just at the right time, Plaza West opens up and 50 families move in, 50 grandparent caregiver families. And you were one of the first families, right? And I was one of the first families. Ah, that's wonderful. What a joy. So we'll talk a little bit more about Plaza West in a moment. But Anna, when you were doing your research for this, you found about 19 different models around the country of grandparent housing. And I wondered if there were any particular models that stood out to you. The first one that was ground up, that was specially built for grandparents and other relatives raising children was in the South Bronx in New York. And it opened up uh, maybe 15 years ago or so. And it has 50 units as well of two and three bedrooms. At any rate, it's kind of been the model that people have been looking at for the last few years of grandparent housing, and it has support services on site, in the basement, a green roof, many things that help the families, including safety features, you know, like you have at Plaza West with the safety call buttons and things like that for the caregivers. So these programs are really built with the children and the caregivers in mind. But there are other programs around the country that serve more than one population too. So Sankofa House, which has been around for a long time in Chicago, serves grandfamilies, but it also serves youth that have aged out of foster care. Bridge Meadows in Oregon serves grandfamilies who have adopted children from foster care in addition to elders or seniors, older adults who serve as elders, and they do babysitting, caregiving, drive kids to their appointments, help support the grandfamilies at Bridge Meadows. And the grandfamilies help give those elders meaning and relieve them from social isolation. So there are a number of models around the country, and we highlight them in the report. So when we have 
grandfather's apartments and places that are special for grandparents. Tell us a little bit about what it felt like when you moved in, Olivia. You've talked about the one-bedroom apartment you had. and So what changed? What's different now that you're living at the grandfather's apartments, and what was it like when you moved in? The first thing that changed was I had my own bed. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) The other highlight, I'll say, was that when Richard and I needed to go into our own separate spaces, it was there. It was there to do. And as families began to move into Plaza West, there were other adults that I could talk. I know I didn't have to speak kid talk all day long and all night long. There were other adults, and the families in Plaza West began to form community. And so we know one another. We know whose grandchild belongs to who. We know if a grandparent in the building is in need of assistance. We had a grandparent that fell. And everybody was rushing to Miss Mabel's need. You know, some one one grandmother sent an ice pack and another one sent a heating pad. You know? <laughs> they had it covered. <laughs> and those are just small things that matter in mm-hmm. a big way. Because it can be frightening at this age having a child and having the thought, what if something happens to me? Yeah, that's very true, that community. And it is those little things that are really the big things, like you said. It's what makes life a little bit easier, a little bit more appreciated, and a little bit more supportive of you as you're raising Richard and the other grandparents are raising their grandchildren. So what other services did you find at Plaza West that you wouldn't have found in just another apartment building? So as I mentioned, Howard University's School of Social Work developed a support group. And we used to meet at Bernice Fontenot Senior Wellness Center uh, the fourth Monday in every month. Well, once the grandparents were in Plaza West, it didn't make sense to travel outside of where grandparents were to have a grandparent support group. And so they have moved into Plaza West, and we meet in Plaza West the fourth Monday in every month. In addition to that, Mission First have some kind of holiday celebration. We just did Halloween where the children had their costumes and had a party and the grandparents did their little huckabucks. (laughs) (laughs) So it really has become community in the sense that we know that someone is there and someone cares. Also... Departmental Aging held a health fair there this summer. A lot of the grandparents really, really enjoyed it. Coming up, how the School of Social Work and Mission First have combined, and they're going to have a Christmas party there together. We had Thanksgiving together last year, and I'm sure we'll do it again this year. The grandparents themselves organized a Bible study in the building every Friday night. So what I find there is that there is a sense of community from the inside, but from the outside as well. I love how you describe that. There's supports from the inside and the outside that make it very rich. So 
Anna, we know that this kind of housing is so impactful and so important for grand families. And yet, it's like, as we were discussing earlier, you were able to identify 19 models that have potential for replication. So it seems like we haven't hit that kind of critical mass or scalability that I think is needed. And in the report, I know that there are some very specific recommendations that you and that we at Generations United believe would help to support development of this kind of housing. Could you talk a little bit about the recommendations in the report? I mean, one of the biggest things that would really help is a toolkit, a toolkit for other programs that want to build this kind of housing, because it's very complicated housing to build. The financing, it's a big mix of public and private financing of state, local, and federal. So putting all of that together, then getting the ongoing service funding, the policies, all of those things are very complicated, and there's no toolkit out there, and there's no central resource for technical assistance. So having this toolkit and having a national technical assistance on grand family both of those things would be huge to expanding these programs to other areas of the country where they're so desperately wanted and needed. Olivia, we all know that oftentimes it's policymakers that make those decisions about whether or not to invest and support. I know you've been very close to the mayor's office here in D.C., I think probably on a first-name basis. At least I see a lot of pictures of you two together, and I think the mayor Bowser's been very supportive of grand families of housing and of grand families. But when you're thinking about talking to a policymaker about why why they should support this kind of housing. What's the message? What do you tell them? Housing is probably the most important entity in grand family living. I think that when we open the door in the middle of the night and receive these children, housing, I'll speak personally, wasn't even on my mind. It didn't dawn on me that this three-month-old would turn into a two-year-old and three-year-old, you know, I just knew that he needed to be housed and sheltered and loved and cared for now. And my needs never even rose to the surface. And so I think as we grow into caregiving, then it becomes an aha moment. Like, oh, we're going to need more space. And I'm sure that There are 50 grand families in Plaza West, but there are 450 reported grand families in the District of Columbia. And reported does not count the number of grand families that are not reported. So 50 scratches the surface. And we are very grateful to Mayor Bowser. Yes, she is very supportive of us, has always been. And even when she gave her State of the District address last year, She mentioned the grand families in Washington, D.C., which really was a huge kudo for us. So just to know that having a heart to raise a child is not enough. There is so much more that is needed to raise a child, and especially as a senior. There's a lot more physically, there's a lot more emotionally, and there's a lot more financially involved in raising a child in my 60s than it was in raising my own children. Definitely. There's a reason why people have children when they're younger, when they've got a lot of energy. And I'm always amazed at the grandparents who are raising grandchildren into their 60s, 70s, and beyond. We have some great grandmothers in Plaza West raising children. And to watch them, it really can bring tears to your eyes. I'm probably one of the younger grandmothers in the building. I believe it. We have some 80-year-olds who have three- and four-year-olds who they have to get to school every morning. 
And it's not a question of love. Like you said, you've got the love. It's a matter of having that support so that you can love that child. That's right. And not have to be so worried or just scrambling and trying to provide. So it's really great to have housing like the grand family's apartments and the services that are provided there. You know, one thing I was thinking about was I remember when the Bronx grandparent apartments were built. And one of the questions that came up was, the families do change. The families grow like any family would. Richard's now 11 years old. You know, he'll be 16, he'll be 18, he'll be 22, and as you're aging as well. And so, Anna, did you hear of any particular grandfather's apartment buildings that have sort of those transition plans in mind as families kind of age out of the housing or as the family dynamics change? Did you hear anything about that yeah, in your research? So certainly as the families are growing and getting older, the service Services, the case management, all of that has to evolve with the age of the caregivers and the children. And that's what these programs are good at doing. And then in terms of transitioning, once the caregivers are no longer raising the children, having plans in place for how they transition to new housing and where they go is vital and is part of that kind of toolkit that we that would, needs to be created. Again, it's that support that's needed that you wouldn't find if you were just in an apartment building someplace, but something that looks at both the caregiver, the grandparents' needs as they age, and the children's needs as they age. So that's great. Well, I've really enjoyed this. Is there anything that I didn't think to ask you or any comments you want to make sure that you share before we start signing off today? I'd just like to thank Generations United and all of the other entities in Washington, D.C. that care about and demonstrate the care that they have for grand families. It really, really makes a difference in our lives. Well, I want to thank you for what you do every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, Richard is so fortunate to have you and to have the love that you give him. Yeah, really. Thank you. We honor you and the millions like you who have stepped up to really love these children and care for them. You're our hero. Well, thank you both for joining me today. Anna Beltron from Generations United, Livia Chase from the Grand Families Apartments, who we proudly call one of our grand voices. It's been a pleasure to talk with you today. Uh, I wanted to be sure to highlight the State of Grand Families report that you'll be able to find on the Generations United website, gu.org. It's called A Place to Call Home, Building Affordable Housing for Grand Families. Please be sure to download a copy, read it, but most of all, look at the recommendations and think about what you can do to help make sure that families have the housing that they need to provide that sort of love and support that our children deserve. I want to thank you for listening today. Thank Anna and Olivia again. I also wanted to mention, though, that one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast, as I think some of you have heard, is we're really trying to reach new people. We want to inspire new ideas. So I would ask you to please leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcast or whatever streaming platform you prefer to listen to. Point other people in the direction of the podcast. Share with us your ideas for future episodes. But most of all, remember, if you don't have somebody older in your life, find someone. If you don't have somebody younger in your life, find someone. We are stronger together. Thank you. <music>